Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all. It's good to be together. It's good to enjoy fellowship together. It's good to come and worship God together and hear what he's got to say to us. Uh, If you're watching online as well, you're very welcome. And of course, if you're a visitor, it's really good to have you with us. I hope you feel very welcome uh, with us today. I'm going to pray uh, right at the start of our meeting this morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come uh, to this place to join together to uh, enjoy fellowship, but also, Lord, to worship you and to listen to what you've got to say to us this morning. Lord, I thank you for that privilege. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see it as a privilege. Lord, I pray that it would be a special morning for us this morning as we meet with you in this special way. Lord, I pray that you'd warm up our hearts, Lord, to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know how you've come this morning. I don't know how your hearts are feeling towards God. Maybe many different emotions going on. I'm going to read the first few verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness. And justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Well, in a moment we're going to sing a song. It's called 10,000 Reasons. Uh, Many of you know it well. It's a song by a guy called Matt Redman. um, And it's based on that psalm. We didn't read the whole psalm, but it's based on that psalm. And uh, just this week, I was just reading a bit of the background to that psalm, a bit of the story. And this is what someone's written about uh, Matt Redman and sort of why he wrote this song. This is what they said. The 10,000 Reasons story clearly shows an outpouring of Matt Redman's heart for worship. He describes the song as reflecting what a Christian's heart attitude towards their Heavenly Father should be. Each and every day we should have more than 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord our Saviour. But we often enter every day with a heart attitude of grumbling and complaining instead. We blame God for the ways our life isn't going according to plan. The 10,000 reasons story calls Christians to change our attitude of ingratitude into a heart of repentance and praise. It calls all believers to look to the eternity that is waiting for us in heaven, 
when we can look forward to praising his name without ceasing. 10,000 Reasons is based on Psalm 103. And both the song and the psalm call their audiences to sing, pra- sing praises to God with no exceptions. Despite the hardship that the psalmist faces, he turns to God and praises him for the ways he has blessed him. Well, it said a lot more than that, but I hope you found that helpful thinking about this song. So let's stand and let's praise God as we sing 10,000 Reasons. Last week, uh, we started our new series on Elisha, he's a prophet in the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to carry on that this morning. Our pastor John will be uh, speaking to us later, 
And so we're going to read now uh, from the passage that we'll be looking at, which is in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. It's up on the screen as well. It says this. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all of your neighbours, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. And then we're also going to read in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 11 to 17. So Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 17. It says this. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, Arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Well, we're looking forward to John uh, explaining a bit more of that to us and applying it for us uh, soon. But now we're going to sing another song. It's called uh, Compassion Hymn, and it fits in well with what we've just read, and it fits in well with the first part of John's message. And then after that, we're going to have the children's talk, which Tony's going to do for us. Thank
good morning. It's great to see you all. Yeah, you sit up there. That's a good idea. Now, I have a story to tell you. I have a story to tell you. And for this story, I need a king. Looks like I'm going to have a queen by the sound of things. And you can be my queen. Sit up here. Now, I've written this as a king, but it's going to be a queen now. Now, you are a very good, very kind, very wise queen. And this queen has some servants. All good queens have servants, don't they? Now, this first servant, they come to the queen and they say, I've done great work for you, queen. I have worked really hard. I've been really clever. So I want you to give me three tons of gold. Can you imagine how much gold that will be? Wouldn't fit in your bedroom. Now, I want the rest of you. How would you, dis- to dis- to tell me, how would you describe that servant? Yeah? Wanting things from themselves. What word would you use, Eddie? Greedy. Greedy? What would you say? Selfish. Greedy, selfish, wanting things from themselves. Now, would someone like to come and hold up my answer? God, you don't come and hold this one up. Got your one. Greedy. Now, you've got a second servant. This second servant comes and says, I've been really clever. I've managed to do a great job. What I want you to do is to put me in charge of half of your kingdom so that I can be in charge. How would you describe that person? Yes. A bit jealous? I hadn't thought of that one. Yeah? Maybe a bit bossy. Maybe a bit bossy? What was your word? You're going to say the same thing? Wow. Who'd like to be my... Uh, Go on, Annie. You can, you're using, that's it. Yeah, you, you go that side. <laughs> now, so I've got bossy servant, greedy servant. How do you feel about your bossy and greedy servants? Hmm. Yeah. Good look. Right. They pick the queen. She's got a third, a third one she comes to. And she goes to them and says, well, I've heard from these two. Well, what do you want? And this one gives a different answer. This one's answer says, well, do you know what? I am really impressed with you, Queen. Because the way you've got a way of making your kingdom become bigger and bigger and bigger, and then when you rule your kingdom, you've got a way of sorting out the problems in a very wise way so that people get on really, really well. So what I really want I want to be part of your team carrying forward. I want to be able to learn more about how good and how clever you are so that I can help in whatever way you want. 
because I love being part of the, your great kingdom. Now, how would you describe her? Yeah? Generous? Generous? Loving? Any other words? Yeah. Kind. Well, I've got the word loving. So, Jess, do you want to hold this one up? Now, here's my, here's my, here's my question. This story didn't come from the Bible. But who do you think the Queen might remind us of? God, that's right. I told the story because God's a bit like this. Some people come to God and they're greedy. Some people come to God and say, I want this for me because I want to be bossy. Some people come to God in a loving way saying, I want to be part of what you're doing. Now, you guys, can you sit down? So I'm not quite finished yet. Thank you. Because there's a verse in the Bible which talks about praying. It talks about how we get what we want from God. So, can someone read that for me? Yeah, go on, Flo. Second bit. Go on, Katie. Desires. So delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I've got another question. Can anyone give me an idea of what delight means? That's not a word we use lots, is it? Yeah. Makes them happy, that's great. How happy? Really happy. Now, I thought of a picture that you children might appreciate as an idea of delight. It's only, it's only a little picture of how good delight is. But you know sometimes you have a pudding. And you know sometimes your mum says, I've got an ice cream for you. And you think, that's good. But sometimes it's a little lolly. That's nice, but it's okay, isn't it? But sometimes you go, perhaps you're going out for a meal and you go somewhere and they've got these things where you can put loads and loads and loads of ice cream in and you fill up a massive great glass with ice cream and then you can put sweets on top and your eyes go, wow, that's amazing. What a massive great, that's the idea of delight. And in, in, in the Psalms, in this bit of the Bible, it says, God's so fantastic that if we delight ourselves in him, if we look to him to be the one that makes us really happy, then he's going to give us what was in our hearts. He's going to help us be part of making his great kingdom even greater. That's a great promise and a great opportunity for us. So thanks very much for listening.
Thank you, Tony. Well, we're going to pray now, again, and uh, I'm going to start by uh, sort of praying through some of the rest of Psalm 103. So, let's come together and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are described as a father, a father who shows compassion to his children. And Lord, sadly, many of us uh, know or have fathers who are far from perfect and who do not reflect what you are like at all. Lord, we pray for those who are hurting. But Lord, we do thank you that you are the perfect father. Lord, that you are a God of compassion who loves your children. Lord, for you know our frame, you know how weak we are, you know that we are uh, just human. You remember, Lord, that we are dust. Lord, we are like grass. We're like flowers in springtime. Lord, we look around us and we see the flowers around now and they're beautiful and we enjoy them and many of us enjoy spring, but we know that it won't be long before the flowers have gone. We can't see them anymore. And Lord, we are like that. We don't live for long in the grand scheme of things. Life can feel long sometimes, but Lord, really it's so short. But Lord, we thank you that your steadfast love is not like that. Your love is not here one day, gone the next. Oh Lord, it is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear you. Lord, we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that you have established your throne in the heavens and that your kingdom rules over all. And Lord, you are the great king. And Lord, when we see the news and when we live our lives with everything that goes on, we thank you, Lord, that you are the king. You rule over all. And Lord, sometimes it might not feel like that to us, but we thank you, Lord, that that is the truth. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 103. And the reminder that it is to us to praise you, Lord, in all circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. Lord, I pray that our hearts this morning would be saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that some of us have been looking at it in Rooted this morning. And we've been thinking about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says to love your enemies. And Lord, it is incredibly challenging teaching. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the great example of that. Lord, because you are a child of your Father, who is perfect. And so Lord, when they mocked you, when they struck you, Lord, you did not retaliate. But you did the ultimate turn in the other cheek. And Lord, you gave your life for us so that we can turn from enemies to becoming brothers and sisters of Jesus. Lord, that is an amazing thing and I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that that your love would so overflow into our lives that everyone around it can see and that people who may be our enemies now, people who are enemies of you, may become friends, may become family with us. Lord, do help us to do that. Lord, we thank you so much for the work of the church. 
And Lord, we thank you for Connect. Lord, we thank you for the joy of partnering with others in the gospel work. And Lord, I just pray that you bless those involved. Lord, we thank you so much for the kids that come. We thank you so much for the love of those who are involved in it, for the kids. Lord, I pray that you bless that work in that area down in Alderbrook. Lord, we thank you that for many, many years, Lord, uh, there has been some sort of work there. And Lord, I just pray that you would really bless it. Lord, that there may be fruit, that people may grow up knowing you, and that they in turn, maybe in years to come, may be able to go to similar places and share the word again with, with more people. Lord, I pray for first steps as well. Lord, I thank you so much for that. Lord, the fact that it's on weekly, for the love and commitment that people have to it. For the fact that so many people have come along to this place and have started hearing about you and and many have wanted to know more and, and done things like Hope Explored. Lord, we just thank you for them. We pray that you would answer the prayers of those who are involved in it, who do pray for the work and who put in so much work. Lord, we, we just pray for them. Lord, we pray for First Tuesday as well, um, as they meet this week. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that so many people come along, many of whom don't go to church and don't know you. Lord, I pray that you'd really help John uh, Cowley as he gives a gospel message this week. Lord, I pray that you would use him. Lord, I pray that it would be clear and that people would understand. And that, Lord, people would turn to you. And that those who are Christians in the group would be really encouraged. Lord, thank you for that work. Lord, I pray as well for the Men's Golf Day coming up uh, this week. Lord, I thank you that we've been able to uh, do it again uh, pretty soon after that we had to cancel the last one. Lord, I really pray that you be with Rob as he comes and speaks to us. Thank you for his experience. Thank you for the gifts you've given him. Thank you for his heart for uh, teaching people about you. Lord, I pray that you'd really help him as he comes down and speaks to us. And Lord, I pray that people would come along. Lord, that it would be a good morning, it would be a fun morning. But Lord, we pray that it would be a life-changing morning for some. Lord, that you would reveal yourself. Thank you that you are a God who does reveal yourself to people, sometimes even when they're not looking for you. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you that the church even though it's so imperfect in so many ways. Lord, we thank you that it is your body. And Lord, that as a church, you've given so many people different gifts and so many abilities to serve and to function. Lord, as we seek to represent you to a watching world. Lord, I thank you that there are so many in this church who do so much for your kingdom, who do it so willingly, who do it for free. Lord, we thank you for them. And Lord, I particularly want to thank you for the deacons of this church. Lord, I thank you for the hours and hours that they put in. Lord, often behind the scenes. Often uh, doing jobs that many of us wouldn't want to do. Often uh, having to think about things that are, are sensitive and tough and difficult. But Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for how they bless us as a church. For how they support us as a church. Thank you for their willingness, for their Christ-likeness. Lord, we praise you for them. We thank you for them. And we pray that you would continue to help them and bless them in their souls and in their minds, I pray. Lord, I thank you that for those of us who are Christians and members here, Lord, we have communion later.
Lord, a time when we can stop. And Lord, it does make it a busy day, but what a, what an opportunity, Lord, to just stop and reflect on Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And Lord, I pray that that would be a real privilege for us, that it would do us good. Help John Hitch as he leads that, I pray. Lord, may it be a real blessing for us. And Lord, I just thank you so much for the richness of your word to us. Lord, we thank you that uh, in the past couple of years we've been able to look at the Gospel of Luke and see Jesus' life and we've learned so much from that. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we go into a new series on Elisha. Lord, going into the Old Testament. Lord, we, we pray uh, that it would encourage us where we need to be encouraged. That it would rebuke us where we need to be rebuked. Uh, that it would teach us where we don't understand things. Lord, thank you that your word is so rich. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand your word to us this morning. And Lord, do help John as he speaks to us. Lord, give him the words to say, Lord, I pray that we may know that we've heard from you this morning and not just John. Lord, warm up our hearts, make them tender, ready to listen to what you've got to say to us, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before John does come and preach to us, we're going to sing another song. Um, The first line is, your mercy, my God, is the theme of my song. And I'm going to read verse 4, which seems to particularly fit in with the, the message this morning. The door of your mercy stands open to all, the poor and the needy, whoever shall call. No sinner who comes seeking mercy today is ever by Jesus sent empty away. Let's stand and sing.
So as we continue in the life of Elijah, uh, we're on page number, I haven't got the church Bible here, if somebody's got it open, perhaps they can announce the page number we've got to, in 2 Kings chapter 4, 309, thank you, page 309 for those who are following the church Bibles. And uh, as we continue in the life of Elisha, um, we're going to be in a string of miracles, a string of miracles. Uh, they're all fascinating. There's something quite curious, unusual about some of them. Uh, they're startling. Many of them are very heartwarming as we go through them. There are similar similarities to Elijah, that is the, the predecessor of Elisha. And if you know both accounts, you'll, you have a bit of deja vu. Now, which one did which? There are some similarities. But there are also similarities to Jesus. And as you go through the Gospel, say, the Gospel of Mark early on, you get a string of miracles which have some similarities to the things that we'll be looking at in coming weeks. They're, they're wonderful in themselves. They're great to read. They point to God. Uh, but they also, if you like, bring forward God's future kingdom, bursting through into the presence. They're samples, if you like, of the, the future, ahead of time, brought now. They're pictures of what we have in Christ in the Gospel Age, now, New Testament times, and of the final future age. We get glimpses of it now whets our appetites for what God does and what God is doing. Death, disease, difficulty, drought, and here debt are dealt with in some of these wonderful miracles. And they give us a wonderful glimpse of the gospel and of future times. Well, last week we had a lot to take in, didn't we? We had an introduction to the whole series, and then we worked our way through these Three Middle Eastern kings in their crisis. Uh, this week is going to be, if you like, easier on the eye. We just have seven verses to, to find our way through. A little bit easier for us to take in this week. And as we do so, I want us to notice um, three things particularly about God. Three things about God in the way in which this prophet, Elisha, deals with the scene in front of him. This is the first. The pity of God for desperate need. The pity or compassion, if you like, of God for desperate need. Um, in many ways, it's such a contrast to where we were last week. Last week we had three national leaders, if you like, knocking on the door of Elisha. And this week, God's attention goes to a nameless, struggling widow. What a contrast. Three national figures here, a nameless widow. Well, let's hear of her dire straits in verse 1 of chapter 4. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared God. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Uh, this week of a lady that we should pray for who was described as being at the end of her tether. Well, the same could be said for this poor woman we've read about in 2 Kings 4. 
She's lost her husband. Um, recently, it seems. Such a massive thing in and of itself. But the aching loss is, is then compounded by the financial mess she's in. It may not be any mismanagement on her part. I actually doubt if it is. But I don't suppose she had much income. The rate for his job was not good. There wouldn't have been death benefit or widow's pension for her situation. And she has two sons to look after. She has to borrow and she can't pay back. It's humiliating, it's stressful, it's deeply troubling. She's in desperate circumstances, this poor widow. And there are those she owed, creditors, wanting what is due. And she's got nothing to give. And the next step is for her two sons, her, I don't know if it's two, her sons to be taken away and made slaves. Too dreadful to think, isn't it? Your own family split up like this. Your children taken into oppressed, unusual circumstances. And it's compounded, if you like, even further. It's compounded even further. What was her husband's role in the nation? Well, he was one of the sons of the prophets. These do crop up a a few times in some of these books of the Bible. He was part of a band of faithful men involved with teaching ministry about God. They were a great support to uh, Elijah and Elisha. Uh, They taught the nation and it was difficult times. He'd probably been that through the time of Ahab and Jezebel and it would have been a time when they were despised and opposed and he had served God faithfully in that situation. And what does he receive for his faithfulness? He dies young and his family are about to be split up into the hands of the money makers. Well, God is going to show support for this family and encouragement to others who are faithful to the Lord and yet who go through very traumatic, desperate times in their life. Perhaps an encouragement for you. God honours those who honour him, even through dark and uncertain days. You've been committing yourself to the Lord and his word, his work. It doesn't mean that you escape sadness, but it does mean you can look to his active compassion, if you like, as you go through that sadness. Well, Elisha takes interest in her situation. A big difference, really, from the king of Israel last week. You remember Elisha barely wanted to speak to the king of Israel, even though he was a king. But here, here's this widow, and Elisha is on the case. Verse 2. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. Elisha is on the case because God is on the case. 
Well, we're, we're often in situations, aren't we, of, of dire need. Um, in many ways, we've got ourselves into a big-scale situation of dire need. Uh, our whole life has been led in a direction which has uh, been without God, against God, and that has brought us into a desperate situation. We are in a mess, a sinful mess. There's something about this which we'll be finding applies to us. And it's wonderful to see the pity of God for people in desperate need like this. I think one of the wonderful words, we've had it come up already in our second song, one of the wonderful words which reoccurs in the Gospel accounts of Jesus is this word compassion. Compassion. So many situations, sad, desperate, wits end situations, and it talks of the compassion of Jesus on the situation. And I think that can encourage us in our dire difficulties I think it can encourage us, as we should be compassionate to others in their dire difficulties. Taking a cue from this, there is an organisation, a charity, maybe you've heard of it, it's called CAP, Christians Against Poverty. Um, There have been bits of contact with it here at Forest Fold. And it's it's a charity, a compassionate ministry for those who actually find themselves in debt. It gets alongside them, helps them to work through issues of money management to try and help them to get onto a a better footing in the way in which their budgets work and the way in which they structure their debt to try and get them to a point of being without debt. Imagine in the cost of living crisis that we're going to be facing, that uh, they will have quite a lot of contact with a lot of people. A debt problem. If you have a debt problem, it's a a humiliating, a stressful, deeply troubling situation to get in. But there is, according to the Bible, a bigger debt issue for us. A spiritual debt. Do you remember in the Lord's Prayer, in the way it comes in some of the... uh, the, the, uh, some of the ways in which it's expressed, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We have amassed debts before God. There's things we owe to God of a loving heart, of, of honesty, of the way into which we are, should be in our relationships and towards others, in the respect that we should show, in the humility and the kindness. And we have big time missed out, amassed a massive debt of sins in our lives as we have gone against God. We have a big spiritual debt problem. And so it's great then to hear of the pity of God, the compassion of God for those in desperate need. Well, it's great to hear of the pity of God. But we can uh, see a bit more as we go on through the account and we see the power of God for depleted resources. So, uh, Elisha asks this lady what she has and she has nothing, just a jar. She has nothing of any valuables to to keep the bailiffs away, nothing to trade so that she can uh, to pay off those who are seeking to take her sons. But the situation's not done for. 
God has remarkable plans for this lady. And Elisha tells her what to do in verses 3 and 4. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbours, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons will pour into all these vessels and when one is full, set it aside. Uh, We could adapt the saying, when are the poor no longer poor? When there's a jar. But is the jar really significant? God uses it, but it's really the power of God. So the saying doesn't fully work. I suppose you say, when are the poor no longer poor? When there's the Lord. And when the Lord is doing something remarkable and compassionate. And that's what we find here. Empties aren't much, worth much these days. I do remember just about times when uh, milk bottles were collected and it was uh, good for the milkman to have your empties. I think you've got some comeback on it. I remember taking Corona lemonade bottles to the shop and getting 5p for them if you took back some empties. But uh, you don't get much for empties these days. But it's empties that they are on the lookout for. She, her sons, have to go around the neighbours and uh, they have to get empty jars, empty bottles. And uh, They mustn't set their sights low. Don't just get a few. Just don't come back with one. Get all that you can, not a few. Head for these empties. They're told then to come back and to shut the door. They're told that twice in verse 4 and in verse 5. And this is a lady of faith and obedience. So despite the disappointment she's had... She's still a lady of faith and obedience. She still respects God. Her situation may be bitter, but her attitude to God is not bitter. That's a good example to us in our knockbacks and setbacks and troubles and situations and puzzles and conundrums to be faithful and obedient as we respond to them. Many here have had big disappointments, big troubles. She's a lovely example to us in that. I guess it looked a bit um, odd, don't you, with sort of team widow, if you like, um, out and about, calling on the neighbours, collecting all the empties in the cul-de-sac, bringing them back to the house of the widow. Then to work. It's as if there's an assembly line on the go with all of them involved behind closed doors. In her jar was oil, the one jar she had. Now, you shouldn't think of three-in-one or castor oil. oil. This is olive oil. Olive oil was very useful. There's a picture of olive oil actually up there, isn't there? Olive oil was a very useful commodity in Bible times. It was used as a fuel. It was used in cooking. It acted as some form of nourishment itself. It was used in medicines. So it had its value. And as she poured her last olive oil jar into one of the empty jars, it was refilled. You haven't had that in your chemistry lessons, have you? 
And she could do it again. One field, two field, three field. The sons keep shuttling back to another area of the house with more empties. The amazing power of God in depleted resources being multiplied as the stocks of the olive oil begins to amass. The power of God for depleted resources. And you know, this is so often God's pattern. It is true in finding forgiveness in the first place, in being saved. We have nothing of substance to offer. It says elsewhere in the Bible, Romans 5, 6, for when we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. There's an old hymn, Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages, and in part of it it says this, Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. Naked come to you for dress, helpless look to you for grace. Stained by sin to you I cry, wash me saviour or I die. So in finding forgiveness and salvation, we have nothing to offer and yet we receive the power of God for depleted resources in finding forgiveness. But it is also the pattern of the Christian life in so many ways. We we go forward and we just don't know how things are going to work out and we don't know where strength is going to come from. And you do maybe your first talk or your first Sunday school lesson, at the end of it you just feel, I've got nothing left to give, I can't do another one of these in my life. And next week or a few weeks later, you're given strength to do the next time. Or you get to the end of the day with family's responsibilities or work responsibilities or church troubles or so on. You get to the end of the day and you just feel totally spent and collapse on your bed. And then morning by morning, new mercies I see, you have strength for the day. It is the pattern so often of the Christian life. We're active, this lady was active. We do what God has, we use what God has given us, but we depend on His power. Paul put it like this in Colossians 1. His role in preaching, Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling, active, with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. Another song, isn't there? He floods our weaknesses with strength and causes fear to fly. And God's giving power isn't always on, if you like, public display. Sometimes God's wonderful work of power is quite hidden. In many ways, that's true of the cross. To many, the wonderful power, dynamism, the effectiveness, the accomplishments of the cross of Christ are hidden to so many. It's true with God's work of grace in people's hearts. It's a, it's a hidden work. 
And in the lives of churches, it is like the hidden leaven, the yeast, as we learn of in the New Testament. God's work often so, going often on so often on the quiet. Well, the power of God for depleted resources, I think it would have been an encouragement to the original readers of Two Kings in their struggles, and it's an encouragement to us. But then finally, as we carry on in the account, the provision of God for debt-ridden insecurity. So by now we've got a a well, a a well-trodden routine, if you like. Uh, The sun gets the bottle, the mum fills the bottle, it's added to the crates or whatever they're stored, the sun gets another bottle, mum fills it. But then, Verse 6, when the vessels were filled, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. No more jars to fill. How many were there? We, We don't know. I imagine certainly double figures, perhaps it was treble figures. This is a a grateful lady. We so often forget, don't we, to thank God when he gives us sustaining strength, when he answers our prayers, when he supplies our need. Um, She hasn't forgot who this come from and she finds Elisha and she wants to speak to him and tell him of God's wonderful provision for her and her family. And she does so. And then to cap the story, in verse 7 we have this announcement from Elisha. She came and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on the rest. It's a wonderful announcement. There's two announcements really. Just to take in the good news of uh, what Elisha is saying into this situation. Firstly, her debts can now be paid off. Go sell the oil and pay your debts. What a relief. You can imagine a family hug, mother and sons together, as they have enough to pay off their debts. They can legitimately settle with the creditors. No more looking out the window to see who's going to turn up and split up the family. But more than that, her cup overflows. Um, God's kind works of uh, kindness and compassion go further. It meets the debt, but it, it more than meets the debt because Elisha continues, doesn't he, in verse 7, and you and your sons can live on the rest. The debts are paid, but there's more. And she may not have some death grant or uh, a pension, but she's going to be okay. She has enough to live on. She's provided for. There is financial security for this lady. That's a lovely story. And it's true with God in his provision of good news through Jesus. You have first spiritual debts settled. (coughs) One of the early messages of Jesus was quoting Isaiah 61. It's actually in Luke 4 
when he says this in his hometown, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And that is what Jesus came to do, to settle the debts. That's why he went to the cross. On the cross he paid the price. He took the price of our debts on himself. Peter, in a letter he writes later in the New Testament, is talking about what it is which will redeem us, save us. And he says it's not gold or silver, but, verse 19 of chapter 1 in his first letter, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And he adds a couple of chapters later on in 3 verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The debts are settled. That's why we picked the rather strange title, sort of, adapted from a Bible with me and and from a a Bible quote, where debt your sting. Well, debt normally does have an immense sting. It makes life miserable. But it is cleared and it is gone and it's disarmed. And for the believer, the spiritual debt has gone, is cleared by God, as comes across in that wonderful parable of debt clearance. But... Not only that, not only that, that would be enough. Jesus doesn't just clear the debt, but he provides for us. He provides for us security. He provides for us eternal security for those who turn to him and put their trust in him. Peter also says in his letter, in an outburst of praise at the start, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here's security to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Amazing, isn't it? Through the kindness of God at the cross, it is possible to have debt taken and eternal security. Now I've heard that uh, at CAP, I think it's at the head office, Christians Against Poverty, at the head office, they have a, a bell in the office which is rung at special times. And you might think it's when um, they have helped clear the debt of somebody and somebody's on a much better footing. That would be a good thing. It's worth a, a ding-dong, isn't it, if somebody is in that position. But it's not actually rung when people's debts are cleared. It is rung when somebody puts their trust in Christ and their spiritual debts are cleared and they have eternal security. Jesus and the gospel is God's provision for clearing debts and for eternal security. The Elisha miracle of God's pity and God's power points to this wonderful provision 
which comes through Jesus in the gospel. Well, we don't have a church bell and we don't have bells dinging here, but uh, if somebody here puts their trust in Christ, the bells in our hearts ring, if you like. I think the bells in heaven or the equivalent ring with the joy that there is amongst the angels. This is a great thing to have your debt cleared through Christ, to have new life in Christ, to be secure through Christ. Well, I hope you've made that bell ring. And if you haven't, then think about some of the teaching of this wonderful miracle of Elisha and think about your need of Jesus. Well, we're going to sing a closing song about uh, that spiritual debt clearance through the cross. It is the song, The Price is Paid. Come, let us enter in to all that Jesus died to make our own. Shall we stand and sing our last song?
world, we think of the immense relief, uh, the joy, the delight in uh, this lady and her family with the way in which you pitied their situation, provided for them. And Lord, many of us feel that same sense of joy and relief, thanksgiving and praise for the way in which you've provided for our situation through Jesus, for the release and for the relief that we have through him. Lord, we do pray that it may have refreshed us in that, uh, revived in us a sense of praise, stirred up our life to live out of thankfulness, and that maybe some, for others it will have drawn them to Jesus for the first time. We pray this in his name. Amen.